Hi, this is Alex Ramanovich of Global Edge Talk, and today is March 29, 2022. And we have a very exciting uh, conversation with uh, our friends at Resmarks, which is a global executive search and recruiting organization uh, doing business in over 40 plus countries worldwide. Uh, today, we have two guests, Nick Gilmore, who's the head of operations, uh, head of global operations in London, and Matt Mann, who is the head of uh, global sales and uh, development in um, uh, North Carolina, United States. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Thank you very much, Alex. Nice to, uh, nice to be here. Alex, thanks very much. Looking forward to the conversation. It's always great to have you, gentlemen. I think we had a, a, a previous conversations with Ray and Glenn, and now mm-hmm. we, um, we want to talk to the folks who are running things and actually responsible for uh, important items like revenue generations, like operations and, and the global operations and so forth. And um, I think the topics that we will cover are also very interesting because they have to, they have to do with hiring, uh, talent search, the um, uh, war with talent or on talent, uh, I should say, and how it all changes or changing as we speak with numerous disasters and uh, major events that are taking place. First, we had COVID, 2019, at the end of 2019, 2020, 2021, and still continuing with a variety of different uh, mutations uh, and so forth. Now we have a war in Ukraine, which is not just a localized war, but it's, uh, it has a number of different global ramifications and global impact. And that's what we want to talk about. So gentlemen, I want to throw the first question at you. And specifically, it is about the hiring managers and companies mm-hmm. and how they should be adapting or how they're, they're, they're not ready to adapt maybe at the moment to the new realities of not just glo- not just uh, you know a hybrid workplace and rising salaries and shortages and attrition, but now also a threat of war, a threat of economic downturn, a threat of other impacts of uh, on global uh, growth, on global economic growth, and also on hiring and executive search. Tell us more about what you think uh, the company is experiencing right now. And what is your opinion as to what has to happen, what companies need to do, and um, what your thoughts are in general? Thank you. Alex, it's, it's a great question. Nick, I'll, I'll jump in first if you don't mind. You know, so, so as a company, you know, we've all, you know, 15, 20 years, we've been helping companies expand internationally. So there's always this sort of question of how do we get into new markets? Where should we go? You know, all these sort of underlying questions as we go through it. Um, And and to your question, you know, what's going on with the Warner Ukraine, which obviously we all know is just an awful thing that's happening right now. And, and, you know, our hearts go out to that. But, you know, when we are talking to companies about their, their talent, right? Because most of what we focus in is on the talent. How do we find the right people that fit into the company and so on and so forth? It's also about where do we plan? A lot of times companies think about it and they come to us after the fact, after they've made mistakes, right? The more we can plan, the better, better we can really realize what's happening in the world and can react. 
Um, when I look at what is going on in Ukraine when it, with what happened with COVID, you know, it's just the same thing over and over again, year over year, when you have disasters that happen, right? These things are happening every few years, right? We're a global economy. We work together um, throughout the world in terms of how do we run a company, right? So if we are a U.S. company, we need to go to Europe or we need to go to yeah, the APAC region. We have to understand where our talent sits, how that talent is affecting our overall company. Is it revenue generating positions? Are they sales? Are they service delivery? Is it more back office support, whether it be IT development, um, you know, engineering teams? Does How does that affect our company? So a lot of it, when we look through this, it's all about, do we as a company understand where our talent sits, how that affects our company, right? And, and are we prepared to make a change when that, when something does happen? Yeah. And, and yeah, thanks, uh, Matt. And um, uh, yeah, just, just to sort of build on that as well. So I think, um, yeah, Alex, I've been doing this for 17 years now. Um, so, and, and what I would say is the recruiting landscape at the moment, you know, especially with COVID and the, the war in the last two years, you know, the recruiting landscape is more challenging, uh, more exciting almost as well, to be honest, than, than I've seen in the previous 17 years. I, I you know, just about missed the dot-com boom, um, you know, and from people that, you know, that like Ray and Glynn and people I know who've been in the recruiting world for 25 plus years, you know, this is the most, I suppose, fluctuating and um, challenging, uh, but exciting sort of uh, recruitment um, uh, marketplace that we've seen in, the, in that in the last 20 years. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned, you know, the, 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 the new realities, you know, hybrid workplace attrition, employment attitudes, it's changing, you know, almost monthly. I would say um, what is key, I think, to companies in terms of you know being able to adapt to that landscape is it's clear from our point of view that those companies that are agile, those companies that are you know, able to show flexibility um, are the ones that are most quickly being successful in terms of the war for talent, as we call it at the moment as well. So, um, yeah, I think flexibility preparation, agility are really the key factors that um, that are going to be you know, in a, allow one to be successful in terms of the talent uh, acquisition, talent retention as of today, because talent retention is as important as talent acquisition as well in the current marketplace. Um, you know, and, I, and we can speak to some certain examples as we continue the conversation, I think. Um, I, I'd like to talk about some of the interesting trends that are taking place right now as well. Uh, for example, the trends, um, aside from the trends for you know, calling for new skills, for example, uh, cybersecurity skills are even more important now because of all the hacking and all of the militant type of uh, um, uh, behavior of some of the rogue elements and so forth and how companies should really uh, be prepared to uh, to gain new skills in cybersecurity and security in general and so forth. Mm -hmm. Aside from the fact that some of the Ukrainian companies, for example, are losing employees to war, uh, whether it, these employees that are 
you know, volunteering to go in, into a territorial defense, for example, or uh, enlisting uh, into the Ukrainian army. That's a more you know, radical, more you know, difficult thing for the companies to, um, uh, to experience, you know, more emotional, obviously, ones. Mm -hmm. uh, but also the risk of some of the um, Eastern European and European countries um, where companies have to uh, potentially look at uh, some of the geographic flexibilities, right, for their employees, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, first they had to worry about the hybrid workplace with COVID. Now they have to wor work, you know, worry about the geographic flexibility as well in how they place their top employees or top talent or something like that, right? Uh, now, Resmarks, it seems that Resmarks is extremely well positioned because you have a lot of global experience. So you kind of understand the um, you know, countries and locations from the not only demographic and geographic standpoint, but some of the you know local uh, capabilities and some of the local taxation laws and so forth, but also where the talent resides or where the talent uh, can reside and, and how to even make the movements of that talent and so forth. Uh, tell me more about how these companies uh, can be flexible. Let's talk a little bit about this in more detail. What does it mean to be flexible? What does it mean to be flexible in terms of uh, not just geography, but also in, in, in terms of a mindset, in terms of management style, in terms of, you know, how the management behavior, so to speak, right? Tell me more about that. Yeah, I think, so, so I suppose uh, answering your first question uh, first, Alex, I suppose just in terms of what can companies do to be flexible and if we're talking about potential resource movement, um, yeah, I think, uh, again, you know, the the, the the ability for companies to be flexible, the ability for companies to consider hiring in different locations where they wouldn't have considered before, again, has, has, has changed significantly in the last five or six years. And, you know, a specific example of that would be you know, the, um, the, the proliferation of um, employer of record or permanent employer organizations over the last five or six years. Again, when I started this this role 15 plus years ago, if you didn't have a legal entity in a company in a in a country, you didn't go there. Or you, if you did, you would hire an independent contractor, which obviously leaves yourself open to quite a lot of risk, etc. Whereas now, you know, within reason, it's pretty simple to go into a new country to start operations in a new country, utilize an employer of record, and bring on staff. You know that, uh, that that are committed to you as a company and are effectively speaking working for you in that country. So that has allowed you know companies you know, again, and it's been very helpful through the COVID and and obviously the war situation. You know where companies companies can think about okay, we need to look at a new location now. We need to determine where that location is going to be. We need to um, be open to maybe not putting everything in one country, but maybe we put it in two or three countries. We put if we're looking at IT support or software development teams, maybe we say, right, okay, okay, we don't just have a location in India. We're going to open up a location in Eastern Europe. We're going to open up a location in South America, and therefore you are as well sort of mitigating your risk to a certain extent. You don't have a team all in one location. You can never. 100% predict what disasters are potentially there, but you're mitigating your risk. So, so there is 
and that, and that I suppose comes to that behavior of management as well in terms of just having an open mind to not just having to go with the traditional or the status quo. It's okay. Being fully aware of the options and then understanding, you know, what are, you know, there are different solutions to problems that weren't, that the solutions are different to what they were a few years ago. Um, Nick, Nick, these are, these are good points. And Alex, I've heard you say flexibility, you know, numerous times in this conversation, right? And, and what is flexibility, right? It's a mindset, right? It's the ability to make change or not make change, you know, when you're faced with something. Um, I think, so I heard this uh, actually on a call with a client this morning, we started talking about what they can do to accelerate their sales hiring, um, optimize a few other areas of, of their consulting business uh, within the US, but also within Europe. And, you know, the, the sort of phrase and what they're trying to do to, you know, gather a company and, and you mentioned, you know, what can management do? I think it's really this structured flexibility. I think that's kind of a new phrase I'm starting to hear more and more is how do we create a culture of structured flexibility within an organization? Um, as Nick said, if, if we put all our eggs in, you know, one basket, you know, if we're trying to build an IT team. IT team, and we'll bring that to today with what's going on in Ukraine, we have to now have the ability to move quickly and change, right? Is it helping some people leave and, and having some global mobility um, to retain those employees, right? Is it, how do we support those individuals that are staying? Um, but, you know, we still have a company to run. So how do we make sure that we still have the staff to produce product that have revenue so that we can continue to grow, um, during the disaster, as well as after that. Um, so I think there's a, a lot that can be talked around having that sort of structured flexibility within a company, you know, and when we bring it to the talent optimization side of it, or as we're expanding to new markets, if we have this sort of, again, that flexibility mindset, it puts us in a position to understand where we were, where we are today, and when something happens, we have the ability to make a change or hold tight a little bit, you know, take a deep breath and wait it out because sometimes we don't need to make that change too fast. And we just have to sort of assess that situation. Um, bring it back to COVID, you know, some personal experiences with, with Resmark. So um, we've done a, a couple of things when COVID first hit, kind of an interesting story. We landed in Lisbon the same day that uh, our president basically told us that U.S. citizens had to come back to to the U.S. if we were traveling abroad. So same day, um, it was quite a, quite an interesting story of some team members going to the airport at two in the morning, trying to get back to the U.S., but trying to book flights all over the place. It was chaos. Um, long story short, you know, we had a great couple of days in Lisbon and talked about where we were going. When we get back to the States, our U.S. team was already set up to work hybrid, to work remote. It's kind of something that we had done our whole career. We had planned to make sure that we could hire with flexibility. So if we found someone of great talent in California or New York or Texas, we could hire that. We didn't plan for the COVID situation, but that led into a very easy transition. I know with the, our team in London and Europe was a bit more office-based, but we reacted quickly. We had a we had it built already in the U.S. in terms of being able to work remotely. So it was just kind of looking at that and going, oh, guys, we can take what we're doing in the U.S., bring it to our European office and spread everybody out. And again, we were able to react quickly because we understood how it worked. 
Um, you know, maybe we did it for a different reason initially, but when COVID hit that sort of same, um, that same sort of ability to need to be flexible was there again. So we were able to transition completely. Um, yeah. It seems to be something that goes with a lot of our clients. We knew we had clients early on that were moving fast and understood they had to make changes quickly. And we've had other clients that, you know, really we had a call late last week that finally they're recognizing the need to have a bit more of that, again, structured flexibility approach. Can they change their company mindset? So every company is a little bit different, you know, where they sit in terms of how quick they can react. But it's again about preparation and understanding. Yeah, and I think that uh, yeah, very important points. I think I think um, again going going to that mindset. I, th- I think um, we were we were probably already in a situation. I think with with millennials, there was a different mindset. You know, in in you know what they were looking for out of um, an employer and out of their work to to what people were you know, 30, 40 years ago. So we were already in that mindset. And I think, you know, COVID and situations like COVID, situations like the war in Ukraine, which obviously, you know, is is devastating for families, et cetera, as as was COVID on a global basis. Um, I think that again just put people's mindset more to obviously um, you know, what's sort of in the employment for them? What are they going to get out, you know, from the employer as well? What flexibility they're going to have? Family is more important. So we got to a situation, I think, you know, very clearly, you know, in COVID um, and certainly by the end of COVID where, you know, people didn't have to consider how did they take their children to school in the morning and fit it in with work. You know, Matt, again, we referring to that call you mentioned with a client a minute ago, now they're in a situation that client is is moving to implement a situation where if you need to be out between eight and nine thirty in the morning to take your children to school, that's fine. You know, again, three, four years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. I know from a personal point of view, during COVID, you know, a lot of my family lives up in the north of Scotland. I don't have a chance, I didn't have a chance to go and see them for 18 months. And one of the things I said to myself was, okay. When we come out of COVID, I'm going to make sure it's easy for me to get there. I'm going to make sure that I spend some more time up there and I can work from up there. I don't have to think, right, I'm going to take two or three days holiday and to spend four or five days up there. I can say, right, I'm going to go up at the weekend and I'm going to work Monday, Tuesday from Scotland. And then, you know, then I'll come back. And it's allowed us as a company ourselves, as Matt said, to a lot of the a lot of the people we have working for us now are people that wouldn't have been working for us three years ago because we were an off, you know, in the UK or in European team, we were a office-based mentality. So we've now actually been able to really hire the best people, not the best people who were within an hour's commute of the office. And I think that's something that is really important in terms of mindset for companies to get around, especially our main client base, Alex, is you know, um, small, medium-sized, expanding, growing companies. Yeah, so those type of companies that are looking to attract top talent, sometimes they're coming from the larger organizations. One of the big pulls to the smaller growing companies is agility and flexibility. Mm-hmm. So that's a key point, I think, in terms of mindset of hiring managers and companies as a whole is just to sort of get, get minds around that and that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Nick, that word. Nick, it's a good point. And Alex, just, just kind of bringing it back to the, the management piece of it. 
Um, it, you know, we talk a lot about Ukraine and COVID because it's the most, you know, it's, it's affecting everybody at this point. But as we work with companies that are going into a new market for the first time, or sometimes it's a second time because they made mistakes, what we're all talking about is understanding, you know, where we're going, what we're doing and the effect of, Hey, if something goes wrong, you know, it doesn't have to be something as, as awful as, as the war, right. It could be something as simple as, Hey, I hired a great salesperson in a country. They did a great job. Uh Oh, I didn't employ them correctly. And now I'm getting a a tax and a a penalty that that million dollars in revenue they sold. I have a $2 million fine. So now I'm losing money. Right. And these are all things that they're complex when you get into the legalese of it all. But there are avenues, as Nick said, with the EORs, PEOs, understanding the local market, um, understanding the culture, understanding how to find the right people. There's all ways that we can avoid those pieces that, you know, again, is it a global disaster or is it just something within your within your own company that you have to be aware of and you can avoid um, and understand how to react if something is going to happen? Yeah, and I think again, sorry, Alex, not to labour the point too much, but I think um, you know, we're talking about. Um, you know, I think I think a key point for our, again, and absolutely vital for our clients at the moment, is retention of talent, and that mm-hmm. mindset change as well applies as much to retention of talent as attracting new talent. So you know, because obviously, it's very you, one has to I think be very careful about you know being being mindful of. Okay, well, it's great to have that mindset about new people we're bringing in. Let's not be complacent about the, the, the talented staff that we already have that we want to make sure we keep. So let's make sure that you know the the because the, they those people are going to be having the same thoughts as people looking for jobs and that are coming to you. They're going to have the same mindset. Okay, well, okay, I need to see some more flexibility. I need to be able to um, you know, fit fit my life in around my work. So again, I think just that that retention of talent, and and again. Aside from the behavior, you know, maybe looking, I know we briefly mentioned rising salaries at the moment. If retention of talent as well is, you know, one has to be very mindful of making sure that the current staff are being remunerated, you know, as much as anyone, you know, that you're looking to bring in. I know, Matt, you've had a client where we've had long discussions with them about, you know, staff that they have. And they highly rate, and our recommendation to them as we're searching for additions to that team mm-hmm. is that the people we're seeing in the market in the same roles as your staff who you highly rate are mm-hmm. 20, expecting 20 to 25% higher. So be careful because some of those employees, even if they're very happy, will be seeing opportunities that are a significantly mm-hmm. higher salary. And they will, you know, some of those people will be turned by a salary as well. And- Alex, you and I have spoken about talent optimization in the past, right? And that, that's really what we're talking about. Yes, absolutely. We can go help you find people to bring in. But also that is something that we can do for you is, is we can kind of help you assess, you know, who are your best people, right? If we're out searching for new people, um, there's going to be somebody looking at your company, right? All your best employees are, you, you should assume they are getting recruited. So do you understand what your employee what your top performers are doing. Do you understand what drives them, what motivates them? Everybody wants more money. Everybody always wants more money, but what does drive these people, right? Is it a new challenge, right? Typically your top performers, 
they probably get bored if you don't give them new challenges, right? We always want to make sure we understand, you know, who our people are, where they sit, you know, what the impact would be if we lost them um, and how we can retain them, right? And, and if we can't retain them, how do we replace them? Do we have a single point of failure? We don't want to have that in a company, right? We want to make sure that our risk is mitigated on all accounts. That's a, oh, excellent points, gentlemen. And um, yeah, it, it, it seems that with all these changes, global changes, very impactful changes, um, the entire management team, the entire C-suite has to start thinking differently. They have to start thinking in terms of risk management and risk anticipation. They have to uh, start thinking in terms of research and geopolitical uh, uh, changes, um, you know, and so forth. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the role of governments in this entire situation. I know that you work with a lot of economic development agencies for a number of different governments, whether it's Spain or Puerto Rico or Mexico or, um, you know, even China and, and uh, some of the other countries out there, uh, Singapore. Um, it, it seems to me that now is a great time in the time of this colossal changes in geography and colossal changes in migration of talent. And um, the fact that talent is going remote or in hybrid mode, it seems to me that a lot of countries at the country level, economic development level, have a great opportunity to start proactively marketing to those major mm -hmm. organizations, major global organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, granted, you're working with a lot of the small, medium-sized businesses, but even, even then, you know, they can make global decisions, right? Tell us, tell us a little bit more about what are some of the governments, what some of the governments are doing right now, and what other governments should be doing in terms of attracting that talent, attracting those companies into their uh, into their geographies. Alex, it is um, it, it's a very good question. Uh, we've had you know over the years a lot of exposure to whether it be you know states within the U.S that are trying to attract talent, trying to attract companies to their states, whether it be domestic expansion or um, international companies coming to the U.S. and then, then vice versa. Um, really what all these economic development groups are doing is, you know, how do we, how do we either, you know, import, export more, or how do we provide, how do we provide a, a environment for companies to feel they can come and flourish within our country, within our state, in terms of, is there talent, right? Is there the talent that suits my needs? Um, are there tax advantages um, that, that are gonna suit us? Um, are there programs that make it easy for us to, to hire legally? Um, certain countries in Europe are much easier to hire than others, right? Certain countries in South America, uh, are, are much easier to employ um, as well. Uh, and we've had you know, multiple conversations with these government entities. And, and you know, really, it's, it's the sort of sales pitch that says, all right, why come to this country? And not every country is right for, for, for every company. When we look at, let's just kind of, South America has been a, a hotbed for companies to start expanding to, or as we've been talking about throughout this call, mitigating their risk. You know, a lot of companies have built... IT teams in India or Eastern Europe, but you know, with COVID uh, and the ability to hire through the EORs, PEOs, and then 
you know, also starting to think about time zone issues and so on, South America, Latin America has become a much um, more desired place for a lot of, especially U.S. companies. Again, time zones have, have become easier. Uh, there's now some realization that there are, are great, talented people, whether they be tech or sales or, or whatnot in um, in the South American, Latin American region, just as there are in, say, Eastern Europe and India. And again, it's starting to, you know, where is the best place to go? Again, it, it, the answer is always it depends, right? If you're a company that focuses on something specific, you want to go to a, a country that has that sort of talent within that market. You also want to understand, you know, what the impact is on your revenue or how we offer um financial packages to people. You know, there's, there's differences between, you know, how we look at um, currency exchange places like Argentina can be a bit more difficult, you know, when it comes to understanding how to offer salaries to employees there, because there's your official chain you know, exchange as well as um, the other exchanges. Uh, whereas a place like Uruguay has a, a nice sort of safe area, but less available talent. Um, you know, so really, Understanding what these governments are looking for is it's a great opportunity for companies to understand what type of impact they can make from a revenue standpoint, from a talent perspective, um, and then how the ease of entry to these markets. Um, so it's something that we do a lot of work with these economic development groups to make sure that we understand when a company comes to us and says, hey, we're trying to expand to Latin America we can now start asking the right questions, right? Because it's not a one size fits all answer. It's about, all right, why are we going there? Are we trying to build further revenues globally? Are we just trying to have a place that's going to have an IT support team that's going to save us some money from whether it be, you know, US um, salaries? Is it going to be trying to mitigate some risks so we have different time zones? So there's lots of questions that we need to be asking ourselves of why, why country? It's not as simple as, Hey, let's, you know, if we're going to enter into Europe uh, or let, let's go to the UK because most of them speak English. Um, it's not as a simple answer as that. Yeah. And I think as well through those partnerships, what we can do is um, really just help our clients as well, understand more fully the cultural nuances of the different mm -hmm. countries. You know, it, it can seem like a great idea, right? We're going to go and you know, we want to set up a team in Brazil. So that's great. But there's there's different cultural nuances that hiring managers, again, and again, coming back to a mindset question about, you know, um, you know management and people. Um, yeah, there are different motivators, you know, for families and people in Brazil as there are to the US. There are different factors that the management need to start taking into account when they're looking for the talent. The talent is there, as Matt said. The talent is, going to, is there in most locations, um, depending on the exact role obviously, but, but the talent is there, but there are different motivations. And it's, again, then as, a, as an organization, again, just being fully un aware and understanding of, of the different mindsets and the different motivations of people in different locations and what's important to them. And again, that's something that where we come into you know, our own, I think, is when we're you know, speaking with our clients and they're considering various different locations. Okay, as Matt said, what's important to you in terms of the people you're looking to hire? What's important to you in terms of what what do you what are you aiming to get get from this? So we can help them understand where maybe the biggest pool of talent is if they're looking for you know, multiple hires. Okay, we you know if they can be flexible and we can be saying okay, we'll look in 
Brazil or Argentina, and we can put you in, in touch with right partners again to help you set up there. So, so again, I think, um, and one thing I would say is, is probably, um, again, quite related to our business specifically, if we're talking about, you know, what can governments do, I think is you know, governments, if governments in some of the emerging countries invest in, uh, invest in technical training, as in software development, you know, they're going to be hugely attractive locations for so many companies. There's all, you know, there's already a shortage of of people in Brazil on the software development side, for example, because there's so many companies looking to get set up there. So there's such an opportunity for you know, young people in Brazil if they've got the right opportunity to train. There's a huge opportunity for them to join fast-growing, exciting international companies that are getting set up in Brazil or Argentina, or even as Matt mentioned there. Uruguay, same as Mexico, same as right. it's almost you know very similar to what Eastern Europe was, Alex. You know, maybe 10, 11, 12 years ago. And you know, again, coming back to you know the unfortunate situation in Ukraine at the moment, as we know, you know, Ukraine is is a is a hotbed for very talented uh software developers and IT staff, you know, where some locations need to catch up is on that side of things. And that's something that a lot of our clients are looking to do. Absolutely. Gentlemen, that actually brings a very good point. Uh, we kind of made a, a, a full circle from the companies themselves in terms of what they should be thinking about and potentially uh, contacting you to think those things through together with you. Um, what the governments or regional governments or uh, you know, at the national level should be thinking about. And now let's go to candidates. Uh, what advice would you give to the candidates right now? Because it seems to me that COVID made everybody kind of global and virtual. Uh, mm -hmm. Situations and, and you know horrible events like a war in Ukraine made everybody think in terms of risk management, in terms of risks involved and so forth. But what should the candidates have in mind in terms of their skills, in terms of their preparedness levels, in terms of how they should be changing their resumes and CVs and how they should be sort of uh, going into the market and, and, uh, and behaving, so to speak. Uh, say a few words about that. Yeah, that's a very good question, Alex. You know, I think, um, again, in the last, um, for the last six months or so, we've seen, you know, hugely candidate-driven market. You know, there's more mm -hmm. opportunities out there than there are strong candidates in the market. So one thing I would say, and again, you know, we obviously, we've spoken about talent optimization, talent retention, you know, but if, if one is looking, it is a good time if you're a candidate to be looking uh, on the market. If you're maybe not entirely happy with where you are at the moment, it is a good time to be looking and have good opportunities. I think in terms of, um, I suppose in terms of resume, um, yeah, again, I think one key factor, this is sort of slightly off point in terms of relation to the, the, the disaster, et cetera. But I think one key factor is always making sure that you're, um, yeah, this is, this is more a bit of uh, CV writing or resume writing sort of, uh, I suppose, um, advice is you need to make sure that your resume is fitting for the jobs that you're applying for. Um, yeah, so much these done these days is done very quickly. So if you're not 
you know, haven't got some key points in your resume that that aligns with the job description, you know, it's unlikely to to get you know through the sort of first batch. There's a there's a strong competition out there. So even though there's there's a candidate led market, there's still you know, lots of candidates going for for opportunities and roles. And I think as well, um, key thing as a candidate, I always think is is also just sort of communicating, you know very clearly, whether it be through a company like ourselves, recruiting you know, about what your situation is, what your motivations are, um, and not uh, and being open-minded as well, because there are sometimes opportunities out there that, that if you take the time to just learn a little bit more, are maybe better than they immediately look on paper. So again, I think there's such such a great number of opportunities out there. It really all depends, ultimately speaking, on what your motivations are for the move. You know, are you, you know, looking for more flexibility? Are you just looking for more money? Are you looking to move because of you know, family reasons? What are the motivations? But you know, there are going to be good opportunities out there for you at the moment if you are, in one way or another, you know, unsatisfied. Nick, the 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 key word I think you said was motivation, and and Alex, I think I think this kind of almost comes back to just just kind of our view on what companies are doing or should be doing to be able to prepare for, you know, when or if something should happen, we, we got to think about what are our goals, right? Um, my advice to Kansas is, is, you know, right now there's money to be had for sure, right? If you're a talented individual that's can add a lot of value to a company, you can, can almost name your price within reason, but we also have to remember, you know, what is your long-term goal? Right. If if you're a, a younger individual that has a long career ahead of you, you know, just jumping to the next job that gives you a ton more money may not get you closer to that long term goal. So you have to kind of think about it there. Now, if you're sort of at the end of your career and you can offer a lot and, and you can jump to a job that can get you to retirement quicker, um, you know, whatever, because maybe there's some some stock that comes with an, an opportunity then you know your goals are different than, than somebody else. So I think that's the biggest thing we can look at is what is your long-term goal? Does this change get you to there? How does that impact your family life, right? If you have family, what does that look like? Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of times when we start, you know, and we recruit people all the time out of jobs that they maybe weren't looking, there's usually something they might be unhappy with. Right. So we're trying to figure out how can we put them in a better situation to reach their long term goals. Our goal is not to just flip somebody into a job for three months or six months. Our our goal with our clients is to make sure we find candidates who are going to make an impact with their with the company that we place them with. It, you know, our hope is that they're there two, three, four, five, six, seven years, depending on the goal of the company. Um, but that they're in a situation where they're challenged, where they're adding value and they can see a nice career path. Um, either within that company or, you know, at some point, you know, they move on to the next one after four or five, six years. Um, so again, I think it, it's similar to the companies. Are we, do we know what we're looking for, right? Are we just chasing money? And if that's the case, that's fine. Just be honest about it. Um, that could have a different impact on you later on, right? Now's a good time to do that. But again, preparedness, understanding the situation, understanding what you're looking for, to me is some of the, the biggest areas to focus on Again, because that decision today is going to impact you later on. So if we're just moving for money, when the market flips, we know it will at some point. Hopefully, it's another four or five years down the line. Um, but it will flip. And you know, companies are going to have to look at who's making a major impact, right? You know, the top earners, we're always going to look at that, right? You know, 
do we keep our top earners? In some cases, yes. In some cases, no. Um, so we just kind of have to make sure that we think those things through as we go and decide to take a job. Absolutely. And I think, again, that, Matt, as you said, the motivation there is key. Um, it, again, if you're it, all well and good, if you're, if you're looking for just, you know, the next big salary increase, that's great. And good luck to you. Today's probably the, the day to do it. Um, but again, as Matt said, what's the, what's the impact on future career? You know, again, obviously from our point of view, and again, I, I think however much changes, you know, in terms of mindset and views, I know hiring managers are always looking at previous record of, of, of experience and previous uh, 10 years at companies. And if you're in a situation where you end up moving a role every year um, for three or four years, that's going to have an impact on your op- op- options later on. So again, I think it's you know key that, okay, so if you're motivated, okay, can you see that realistically being the next three, four years? Not is this, you know, a great situation for for twelve months because I'm getting a twenty five percent salary increase. Um, it, if you if if you're thinking about future career seven eight years down the line, okay, do you still do you also see that as being the place where you can be for the next two or three years so that it doesn't have a a, a negative impact on your CV resume moving forward? Uh, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you about a a variety of different uh, factors affecting recruitment, uh, career changes or career development, um, executive search and global trends that are taking place in this space. Uh, We've covered the impact of uh, major disasters and events such as COVID and the war in Ukraine We've covered a number of different trends that are taking place, not only in the place of work in companies and you know, small, medium size and enterprises, but also within the governments and economic development offices, and also the behaviors of the candidates themselves. Um, we're actually going to, a note to our audience, we're going to transcribe this entire conversation. We'll include a lot of the links and summaries of these topics uh, in the written format as well. And we will be happy to share a lot of information about Reesmarks, who always has uh, plenty of advice, plenty of interesting stories, plenty of great case studies and success stories. And uh, Nick and Matt, I, I want to thank you once again for being our guests. And we'll continue this conversation going into the future. Alex, thank, thank you very you, much. Alex. Enjoyed our time. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you. Speak soon.